Welcome to Toffee Blue View, your source for all things Everton. I'm Jerry. Joining me, joining me today, I have I have Max and I have Terry. And for, for those of you listening via podcast, Terry has been not very subtly showing us his his Everton mug that he's drinking some sort of hot liquid out of, and I'm just like I, he's. I, I'm convinced he's he's making me making me jealous. That's that's what's going on. Oh, it's an even bigger. <laughs> it's an even one side. He's got an Everton badge, and on the other side, oh, there it is. It's enormous. Yes. So it's. <laughs> uh, guys, uh, good to see you uh, as always. Uh, start off uh, talking. It's a little bit football, but it's also a little bit not football in terms of uh, the topic. Me and my wife started watching the Sunderland Till I Die show. And uh, I got to be honest, I feel like I would watch that show about nearly any club. Uh, I'm just fascinated by the inner workings and everything because they go through like the transfer window Mm. and they show you how absolutely strapped for cash they are and like a late, a very late end of in, like deadline deal, like right down to the wire. You see all the stress, and you you see how difficult it is, you know. Um, but also, you see how much the the club matters to the community, you know. So that was something that to me, when you see a, a club that a community that seems like it just revolves completely around that community, and if the, if the club is not around the club, and when the club's not clicking. There's a melancholy mm. that just kind of hangs over the entire community like a black cloud. Um, so anyway, uh, just the idea of going through that. Terry, we were talking off camera about how if you look at what Sunderland went through and you feel kind of lucky. Yeah, I was, you know, to be honest, like as, as much as, you know, Everton sometimes get you down, like when you think about it, for the most part, we've could be a lot worse. I mean, if you look at the Premier League, uh, the clubs who have been mainstays and have never actually come out of it are the top six, the current top six, and ourselves. And I think that's where a lot of our sort of frustration as supporters comes from because we've always been in in this league and amongst that group. We don't consider ourselves as part of the sort of brackets of clubs that we probably are in and we probably are competing with at this current time. So we don't consider ourselves as similar to West Ham in like size and scope and, and whatnot, whereas the rest of the Premier League probably do. We consider ourselves part of that top bracket and we always finish bottom of our own inner mental league. And that's, I think, where a lot of it comes from, a lot of the, the angst that we get as supporters because we've always been with the current you know, top six mm. who have been managed for the most part very well and for the most part better than Everton have been. That's, I think, where it where it comes from. We've always finished bottom of our own personal league, whereas all the others, they're not, even if they are in modern in relative terms, they are around us. We don't consider ourselves like Watford or a West Ham or anything like that, but... The reality is, until we, until these plans that we've mentioned in the AGM come to fruition, that that's that's the table we're at. It's up to us to, to move off it. 
Yeah, uh, Max, you were talking about some of the things that <clears throat> Denise, because we're on a first-name basis, she and I, Denise was talking about at the uh, AGM. Uh, we were talking about that off-camera. Because we do that, we're allowed. Uh, but Max, what do you uh, can you talk about that a little bit, about how uh, her goals and what our goals should be as a club? No, I've, I've been massively impressed with her ever since she's come in as, as the chief exec. I think she's... You know, she has ambition that is matched and paired by the fans. You know, she talks about ambitions of Champions League and Premier League titles. Um, in fairness to her as well, she's given us a three-year time scope to reach that level, which is which is true. And I think, it, it, although it may be a hard pill to swallow for some, it, it's true. Um, something that really caught me eye, which it kind of links on to what Terry said, average revenue accumulated by that top six is 419 million compared to ours at 171 million. So, you know, there's an absolute landslide there that we need to kind of catch up with. And yeah, to be honest, I think three years is probably a bit kind. Mm. Yeah, the uh, the AGM revealed a lot in terms of goals and visions for the future and everything, even the immediate future. Um, yeah, we'll talk more about the AGM. That'll be uh, a later segment. We, we do need to move on to the, the bulk of the show, though. Um, to summarize for for the, the lovely the lovely pod people out there, we're going to start with a preview of uh, Bournemouth because they're uh, they're coming to town this weekend. All right? And so we'll start with that, and then we'll follow it up with the Bournemouth starting 11 segment. Who's Marco going to start? Do we have the answers? <laughs> Shrugs abound. We'll see. Uh, and then we'll, uh, we'll move on to the AGM. That's when we're going to talk about uh, we'll talk about bronze. There was some news that broke about, about uh, Marcel. Right? He's, he's getting even, he's, he's getting even deep, deeper rooted in the club, uh, which is, I think, a lot of people are really excited about that. Uh, and then we'll finish up with, if you know your history, we'll have a quiz. These guys will, I'll ask them some questions. They'll answer them all right, and it'll all be a tie. And, I'll have to pick the uh, the song to close out with because they're smart people. That's what I'm saying. All right? So, uh, Bournemouth preview. Guys, we should uh, we should discuss this. Uh, they are they're currently 12th in the table. Right below us uh, on goal diff because they have 27 points as well. Uh, they're 8-3-10. and 10. Something that sticks out immediately is they don't draw often. It's either win or loss, and I see that kind of thing, and that's indicative of teams that really just get after it. You know, they're not they're not settling for draws; they're actively trying to score. And I think if you've watched their team this season, yeah, you buy that. Um, the recent results: they lost uh, one to three to Brighton in the FA Cup. Before that, they drew three three with Watford, and they lost four one to United. And then the window. The, the window opened, and they paid a scandalous amount for Solanke. Uh, it's a lot. <laughs> a lot for a guy who hasn't scored a lot of goals in the, in the league. So, guys, some initial thoughts. Terry, if you want to start us off, and then we'll talk possible starters and whatnot. Yeah, um, a good team, Bournemouth. I like Bournemouth. You remind me a lot. Now, this is going to sound weird, but... Not so much in style or like the way they play, 
but into the composition and how they've been built and how they're set up. They remind me a lot of the early David Moyes Everton. And David Moyes Everton, especially at the beginning, were very compact, very organised, very well drilled. Um, whereas Bournemouth are not like that. They're very expansive, they're very attacking, they're very fast. It, but the way Eddie Howe's gone about building that team is similar to the way David Moyes went about building his early Everton team. He's found some, you know, some players who were not they weren't Hollywood players, but he's he's found a perfect role for them. Everyone in that team, whether they're a player he's developed, whether he's a player he's found from abroad who um, no one was aware of, or it's a player who was on the the English football scrap heap, for example, they've all got they've all got a clear identity in their team, and they all know what everyone else's identity is too, and that's their biggest strength. It's not that their players player for player are better than some of the teams they beat. It's just their collective strength helps them. And we know for um, better than most that they never say die. We always, every time we look like we're going to beat Bournemouth, they always pull a last-minute goal out, or maybe even two. Mm. It's frustrating every time we play them, and they always give us a brilliant game for the neutral, but not for us. So, got to respect Bournemouth. I mean, they've... Like you say, they lose a lot of games because they're always going after it. They don't, they don't manage the games out very well, but they never back down for anyone. And I think we're in for another tough game. Yeah, uh, something I forgot to mention: uh, Klein. They got, they brought in on loan, right back, again, from from the team that should not be named. Well, uh, so Belanke's uh, injured; he can't start and score the obligatory debut goal against Everton, which would yeah. have been. Nailed on if he yeah. was a can't start straight away due to injury, so we've spared so, us. So, do you, so he can't come in and like uh, he can't play at all. No, he's. I think uh, he, I don't know the extent of the injury, but he can't start straight away. Apparently, he can't even. He's carrying a small injury, which I think was one of the reasons put Crystal Palace off. Um, may, mm. Maybe wouldn't have went anyway, but uh, no, I, I believe he can't start. Uh, he's a few matches away from being fit, so the uh, debut goal that he would have got has been postponed. Mm. Yeah, that's because that was stuff like that is usually, uh, you know, going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Max, what are your thoughts on Bournemouth, man? Um, I think this season more than any, obviously after the first few seasons in the Premier League, I think we're starting to see the best of best of Bournemouth and best under Eddie Howe. I think he, you know, the players that he has now are starting to play the, the style of football that Eddie Howe gets complimented for. I think of in the past, he, you know, we a lot's been ran, you know, he gets ranted and raved about. So I know he was heavily linked with replacing Arsene Wenger when he went, but now I can start to understand why because when they do play attacking and forward, when you know, when it's on the show, it is some really good football, and I do think now they have got the players that can implement that. I've been a big fan of that day, that young David Brooks. Um, I think yeah. he's a player that we should keep our eye on, really, because he, he's young and he's turning him consistently at the top level. Um, obviously, there's big news about Callum Wilson as well. Um, was it a fifty million pound bid? Has it been has it been lodged at all, or is that just a rumor? That see, I thought it was rumors. Yeah, yeah sure, surely. It was Sky Sports rumor that if um, Chelsea can't get Higuain, then they'd be willing to spend fifty million on Wilson. That was the headline, whether it's true or not, but. Even if uh, if it is, yeah, for for a, for a player that's done both his cruciate ligaments, I don't, yeah, I don't think that's an accurate sum. But um, we should go into this game looking to do them over. I know, I know, 
we can't we bottled it last when we played them away we went two nil up and didn't hold on to it but you know after that frustrating performance against Lincoln and not the best result in the league the home game we should you know we should be looking to make Goodison a fortress again in the last four obviously they haven't won in the last four and I think they've conceded something like fifteen in those four and if our you know if our if our attacking players don't turn up and have a good day when will they ever? Yeah. Uh... The the uh, the way to play. There's a specific strategy to play against Everton these days, which is bunker back, get compact, transition. You know, and that's just that's the way. That's what everybody's been doing. I don't know if Bournemouth's really going to do that. You know, that's the thing. It seems like they've stuck to their style of play usually. Um, and I feel like, like I mentioned before. A team that draws that has drawn only three times this season, they don't do a lot of bunkering back. Mm. That's just not their way, um, and that actually could be good for us, to be honest with you. You know, uh, I think we've we've played better against teams that almost don't over-respect us. Yeah, <laughs> because because slamming into that <laughs> to that wall and just. You know, whipping crosses in from the flanks over and over and over again, only for the center backs to just clear them out every time. We get it again, cross it in, rinse, repeat over and over again. Uh, I feel like this could be a little different, which is good. I think we'll actually see a, a a more entertaining football match. To be honest with you, when you said a good a good game for the neutral, Terry, yeah, I think it would be. I think it usually is when we play them. Um, possible starters. Uh, Begovic, who is still hanging in there, uh, he'll he'll probably be starting. I could, I think we could see Klein slot in it right back. Uh, Cook, uh, Ake, uh, Daniels, Chase Daniels, uh, Brooks, the kid you were talking about, Max, uh, Sermon and Lerma, Lerma in the middle, uh, Fraser, who I've heard that maybe Fraser is having some injury issues. I'm assuming he's gonna play, but I know there was some doubt. About him, um, and then Wilson and Kane, King, um, Dangerman, Brooks, Fraser, Wilson and King. Yeah, because Solanke's injured. Fraser's got the the same amount of assists as Eden Hazard, hasn't he? So um, that you mentioned that he got he coming into the game with injury problems. That's probably a, a blessing for us, if anything. Yeah, it's hope he has. Yeah, he's uh, he's created a, just a ridiculous amount of scoring opportunities for them this season. Um, I remember when we played played them at Bournemouth, uh, I felt like every time he got the ball, he was constantly, he was difficult to keep track of, and he constantly was was finding players on these, you know, diagonal runs. You know, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's a good little player. Hey, everybody. Uh, quick update. Uh, as far as Bournemouth is concerned and injuries, apparently Fraser, King, and Wilson are all going to be kind of put through the rigors before the game. There are injury concerns. So, that's a thing. So, maybe all of them are available or maybe none of them. We don't know yet. So, yeah. And this is as of Friday. Okay, there you go. On with the show. We have to we have to do some predicting. So, who wants to start and give their 2-1. Two, two, I'm going to go 2-1 win. 2-1 win for Terry? Yeah, I'm going to go for it. I, I said 2-1 the other day, and I'm sticking with my guns. I don't think it's going to be as high scoring as mm. people are making out. Hopefully, we, we're on our guard properly. 
And I'm going to be Mr. Pessimistic and say a 1-1 draw. Wouldn't yeah. surprise you. See, that's what I mean. You know, um, I, right now I'm like, I'm just kind of like stepping back and saying, Everton, prove it to me. But yeah, so we got 2-1, 2-1, from, uh, you know, Donnie Downer over here. So I, I guess that's it. Uh, we are going to be talking about Everton's uh, possible starting 11. We're going to try to predict what Marco's going to do. Good luck with that. It's proven to be difficult uh, uh, as of late. Uh, but we're, we're going to do our best, so stay tuned for, for that segment. I'm Jerry, Terry, Max. They're here as well, and we are going to do our best to uh, do a little, little ESP and try to figure out what... What, what, what's Marco thinking? Who's he actually going to... Can't we tell the future? All right. Who's he going to start on uh, Sunday? All right. So, Max. Uh, yeah. Who's starting Sunday? I've gone for Jordan Pickford in goal. Lucas mm. Dina at left back. Michael Keane and Yeri Mina at centre back. Seamus Coleman at right back. Andre Gomez, Idrissa Gay and Gilfie Sigurdsson in midfield. Adam Ola Luckman on the left. Richardson through the middle and Bernard on the right. Okay. All right. Terry. Sorry for the uh, short segment, but I've got the same except switch Bernard and Luckman to either wing. I don't see Bernard starting on the right. I like. I think Marco likes the um, left-hand side team of him. Um, Dina and Bernard, uh, to be honest, I do. I think everyone does. And Luckman, um, whilst he hasn't shone on the right-hand side, I don't think he's going to displace Bernard from the left. Mm. It's the same 11 players, to what I'd go with. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm really close to that. Uh, I've got Pickford, Coleman, Keane. i got Keane starting with Zuma. Um, I don't know if that's a, accurate or not, but I think that's... There's a few places where you could actually have discussions, but center back is one of them. Will it be Mina or Zuma? But I think all of us will agree that Keane's probably stepping back into the, into the side. Um, and Dean, left back. Uh, a Gay and Gomez in the center. Um, we'll talk more about that in just a second. Uh, I've got Lookman coming into the side. Uh Playing on the, uh, I guess Lookman would be on the right, Bernard on the left, Sigurdsson in the in the middle, and I've done a really flip floppy thing and not actually written down. I, I've got DCL slash Richarlison. I should actually say one of them, so I'm gonna say DCL. But yeah, I don't know. I'm almost. I just feel like Bernard's been looking too good to to bench. You know, um, and also I thought uh, DCL did really good work on uh, Bernard's goal uh, against Lincoln. So I don't know. Right now I'm not starting Richarlison, but I don't know. It's it's like I, this world in which we don't start Richarlison, it feels weird because he's, he's like our leading goal scorer, you know, so it feels uh, weird to not start him. Well, he, it's, it, obviously the call was made to drop him for Burnley, wasn't it? And obviously mm-hmm. it, that went... 
as planned, you know, as according to planning, came off the bench and he still managed to bag. So, because mm-hmm. I, I had a, the, the, those when the game just passed, I would have actually benched him. But, you know, particularly after that Lincoln game, seeing what we offered up front, yeah, I'm decided now I do think Richardson is our best player to run down the middle. Mm. Nobody think Kenny will keep his place. That is another really good discussion, okay? Because <laughs> he hasn't been bad, right? Mm. Oh, Terry, he's with your he's, logic. Yeah, no, he's done. He's done nothing wrong, but I, I do think Coleman will come back in. I, yeah, I just think that he was trying it to see if uh, it drastically changed things, and it, it didn't drastically change things. So I think he'll mm. go back to Coleman. That's a really good question. I, 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 it did occur to me when I was writing Coleman's name, and I thought, you know what? I feel like what Coleman needs is to not play every game right now. I feel like you give him some rest, he comes back, he will look pretty strong. I feel mm-hmm. like he will. However, this is a rapid uh, team we're playing against. Bournemouth has some speed. They are quick. Um, and Kenny may be quicker than Coleman at this at this point. You know? Uh so, yeah, that's a really good question, Terry. Uh, I think uh, something that I was that was rolling around in my brain also was what if we see Idris Gay not start the game because of transfer reasons? Me heart would sink. Yeah. I know. I know. That would change the atmosphere in the ground pretty quickly. Well, if you think, if you think about it, Marcel said that the AGM, obviously, January isn't... No major like waves are going to be made in January. Fingers crossed that means we're keeping hold of Gay and we won't have the need to go after a major replacement and that can be put on hold until the summer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, but I, I, when I was writing down his name, I was thinking, okay... If he doesn't start, there's a strong possibility he's off. If he is, and I heard Max's voice in my head talking about how our formation shifts, and sorry, Max, that I have to misuse your your voice in my head, you know, giving me advice. But I was sitting there thinking, that means we're probably running three in the back. Yeah, it's too much. Too much, I think. <laughs> it's a big shift whenever he's not in. It changes so much. So I'm hoping that doesn't happen. But if it does, you're going to see Keen Zoom on Mina running there. Yeah, I, so. I, I, I particularly wouldn't fancy three centre halves up against Josh King and Callum Wilson, to be honest. Nope. No. I would agree. I'm just, yeah. I'm, I'm kind of, I was thinking about it and I thought, you know, it is a possibility because the window's open. You yeah. Know? Um, it's just the idea of. Putting, I, I just, I think he will start. I think he will be there. I think he'll play. The idea of being, if I'm Marcel Bronze, which I need to get a lot cooler if I were to do that, but if I'm Marcel Bronze, I'm a strong guy and says he's our player. You haven't bought anything, so he's gonna play because we need him and we don't have a replacement right now. That's what I would do. I wouldn't even care what he's our player. We need him, so. That's why I'm choosing to view this. I feel like that's the way Bronze would do. He would just be like in that really deep, awesome voice. He would be like, no, no. <laughs> so that's that's what I expect. I expect uh, Ghana to be in the lineup and playing. 
I'm gonna be to not actually have a replacement brought in and to not be playing him. That just doesn't sound like the way he wants to do things. You know what I mean? That doesn't seem like Marcel Bronze at all. That feels mm-hmm. weak. And Marcel Bronze is demigod. So yeah, he wouldn't do that kind of stuff. That's what I think. So an update about Ghana. Uh, apparently, PSG has not had any contact with Everton so far as far as uh, purchasing Ghana. So uh, I would assume he's definitely going to be available, and that's not going to be a thing. So yeah, I just realized I'm still wearing my towel from running. Hey, sorry. Forget that happened. On with the show. All right. We thoroughly covered the uh, possible starting 11s. Any other uh, possible changes we could? I think you could see Walcott making a start. Yeah, because you know, he, he didn't play too badly in the reverse fixture. Obviously, you know, played off the played off the shoulder of the last man and you know succeeded mm-hmm. and got that goal. Hopefully, if they play anything similar, then it could be of use. I think Leighton, the you know, the possibility of seeing Leighton Baines come off the benches increased. A lot after that last performance. Guy looks so good. That made me smile. I don't think it'll happen, but mm. he looks so good. <laughs> I, love, I, love, I love Baines, but please don't play Baines against a really fast attacking team. Like that's, I'm, not, I'm, not saying, I'm not saying start him. Uh, I'm just saying off the bench, and if we're, we're having no luck, having no luck putting the ball into the box. That's why I don't like Luckman down the right hand side because in terms of swinging it into the box on his right, it's not his preferred game. He likes cutting in. So. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's weird. It's almost like he's there just because he would be on the right because he deserves to play. You know what I mean? And we know he's potent and we need to put him in a forward position of some sort. You know what I mean? Like it's it's interesting. I think we're all really excited about the possibility of Lookman playing. I think we're ready for him. You know what I mean? I think we saw him get full time at Lincoln, we're thinking we saw Silva run over to him and talk to him, you know, right after the whistle sounded. I think I, th- I think we're thinking this is it's Lookman time now, you know. But if he doesn't start, I don't know. I think this is the time to unleash the guy. But anyway, all right. I guess that's all the questions we could possibly ask of the starting eleven segment. So I guess that's it for that. Terry and Max are, are joining me. I am Jerry, and if you didn't know that by now, sorry to break the news to you. Uh, so, guys, let's talk uh, AGM. Uh, Max started last time. Terry, you can get us get us going. Um, I feel like this this AGM was headlined by the big news that uh, Papa Marcel is on the board now. Hmm. That's that's the all the main headlines that I saw. People people seemed happy about this. Yeah, I mean, we as supporters don't really know the difference it'll make, but because, I do not. No, I don't. <laughs> it, there's a couple of things that go into it which give people a sort of positive feeling about it. Is a that's the way it's done uh, in Europe when you get a sporting director, a director of football, whatever you want to call it, in European clubs in Germany and whatnot. They are members of the board. They, they are the man who's in charge of everything football-related at the club. And 
we hadn't done that. We just sort of positioned them as like, yeah, you're an employee of the club, the same as the manager, but um, you're sort of alongside the manager and sort of above them at the same time. It's not very clear. But now there's very clear, distinct sort of hierarchy. Marcel Brands is on the board. He's in charge of the whole football operation of the club. And ultimately he will make the big decisions now about players coming in, players going out, new managers, if that come, becomes a thing. I'm sure it will be under his tenure at some point, for good reasons or for bad. And uh, B, secondly, um, it's sort of good indicator that he's that, that behind the scenes he's doing a better job than um, Steve Walsh because I'm certain at some point um, Walsh um, Mashiri said of Walsh that he was there was plans for him to go on the board eventually and obviously they never happened because his performance wasn't good enough and I'm sure that wasn't uh, any different behind the scenes as well so that got a there was a pinpoint in those plans and then he obviously lost his job so this is sort of like a nod that Marcel Brands is doing a good enough job in impressing the right people enough that the club have trusted him to be... Basically, he's taken over what Bill Kenwright traditionally would have done. He would have been the old model, which um, this season, famously, Man United was still operating on, of a chief executive and a manager, or an, a chairman and a manager, where the chairman negotiates everything at the manager's uh, request, whereas now directors of football sort of mastermind the philosophy, the identity of the whole club, from under-10s through to the senior team, everything... So if he's got a handle on things, which this indicates that he has, I think we can only be happy about that. And I think that's what everyone's reaction was. It's a good sign that things are going well behind the scenes. Yeah, I mean, we, we can tell things on the surface. You know, we, we look at look at transfers. We, we, we feel like there's a, uh, you know, he, he always tends to say the right things when he's when he's when he's interviewed and. I, I think we look at we look at all that. And we're thinking, okay, there's a guy that's that's a director of football. It's someone who's that's what the person's supposed to be doing. This is what we had in mind when they brought someone to do that job before, you know. Um, and on the surface, we're thinking, okay, he's doing good, but it's just nice. It's comforting that you know they're thinking, oh, you know what, he is. We agree with everybody else, and we're seeing it behind the scenes. And let's give him more power. Let's give him more decision-making ability. And that's comforting. That's, that's nice, you know. Um, and this comes on the heels of these ridiculous rumors ahead of time that he was going to be suspended <laughs> because of supposedly tapping up players or something. Yeah, there was rumors all over Twitter that he was going to be suspended before that. And then they were like, no, he's on the board, actually. <laughs> so, yeah, just funny how, how that kind of stuff happens. Uh, he got a lot of support from Mashiri during the AGM. Um, there were some other highlights about AGM, you know, where they talk about uh, the, supposed to have a spade in the ground at Bramley Moore in 2020. Uh, Brands, Brands playing down the January window. Uh, Denise got to talk for a while. Uh, Max, what was something that really stuck out for you in terms of, you know, <coughs> when you were going over the, all the different highlights of it, you thought, okay, that's an important thing to mention. Um, yeah, I just want to comment on on Marcel Brands being appointed to the board. I think into uh, into Everton as a footballing entity have minimised risk entirely. I think by appointing Marcel Brands as you know as chief of football operations, I think that's a very smart move. And like like Chaddy said, and it's something that Denise Barrett-Baxendale mentioned when she was interviewed. Brands seemed to have a vision that he wants 
the under the under twenty ones, the under eighteen, the kids to play the same brand of football as the first team. It, it seemed very Johan Cruyff, La Masaya esque, which is something that I admire highly because you know it, in terms of Marcel Brand's man, mindset, he's, he's here for the long haul. Continuity is something that is is, is that he's factored in, um, and the fact that he wants to be that man at the helm for the next few years for Everton is absolutely fantastic and what it does do as well is it it takes a bit it takes away some of the responsibility from below him and above him so Mar- Mar- Marco Silva will be reporting to Marcel Brands and obviously it frees up a bit of responsibility for Bill Kenwright etc and I think that's a huge step for us as a club as a whole because you know obviously that era under Kenwright and Moyes we never really had a footballing brain to to kind of blueprint any sort of avenues to success and we've seen that from PSV and uh, Alkmaar with brands that he knows what he's on about um, and in terms of Denis Bedefax and Dale, as I said earlier I, I couldn't I can't really speak highly enough of her since he's been appointed as the chief exec you know she she's on side with the fans which a lot of the previous chief execs weren't um, she's got a clear plan as I said she said she will be in position to compete in three years time Mentioned the likes of the Champions League and the Premier League, which I'm sure fans will take a lot of encouragement from, um, which is great. Um, Mashiri as well, the fact that his backing is, you know, unfounded. That what's it now, 250 million that he's invested, not always been wisely spent, but I'm sure that will absolve itself with brands being in the position that he is now. Some of that money will be, you know, recovered and spent in a in a wiser way. So, Max, uh, Mashiri had some inter- interesting comments about uh, where we're, where the club's at right now in terms of the league standing. Um, what's your take on that? 11th isn't good enough, like he said, and that's very right. And it's a relief to hear after, after hearing terms bandied about last season, such as, as expected losses, um, oh. to, to, to hear him say now, you know, the fans expect success. It sounds sort of something a lot similar to a quote that came from John Moores years ago, which is true. We do expect success, and where we are at the moment isn't good enough. I don't necessarily agree that Teddy mentioned it there that you know he come out with the term he spent he's invested money from turning a museum into a competitive outfit. I wouldn't label us as a competitive outfit outfit just yet um, until we've actually achieved Europe or silverware. That's when I'd, I'd, I'd come out with that. But yeah. It, it, it's it's looking good in terms of from a bit from a business perspective. We're, you know we've got to reiterate we are on the up. We've had our setbacks, but we're we're slowly crawling in the right direction off the pitch. And with the appointment of Brands as, as as you know commander of football operations, surely on the pitch now we'll start seeing improvements. Yeah, uh, it's interesting. He Mashiri threw a lot of support behind. Marcel Bronze, and and there was a certain amount of support for Silva, where you talk about standing behind the manager and everything. However, it wasn't the same exact amount of support. It was kind of like still leaving it up and like, look, if this doesn't get better, you know, Silva is not beyond being replaced. Uh, but he didn't say that, thank God. Because <laughs> heck of an AGM if he does. Uh <laughs> Terry, um, it's interesting. We've got Silva in here 
and he's playing a certain brand of, of football. And Max, you were talking about uh, him bringing that bronze, wanting to bring the same type of football, the same brand of football throughout the academy. It's got to be tough. It's almost like you got to think about having the same blueprint for a manager every time then, don't you, if you end up getting a new manager? Otherwise, you're having to shift gears with your academy every few years, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's they need to be an identical type of manager. I just think they want to imprint a sort of wider um, sort of DNA into the club. So you mm-hmm. can't... Look, I think Mishiri has learned lessons from his previous... Uh, years in charge. I mean, look how wildly we've swung between different types of managers, and it hasn't, you know, in the very short time that he's been here. So he's obviously thinking, A, I don't want to be doing that again, where I go from Cumin yeah. to Allardyce and then to Silver. It's like and some of the players work for some and some work for others. It needs to be a broad sort of like style and a broad sort of um, um, sort of philosophy on the club not we have to play this way but for example um, we touched on it in a previous segment if Silva was to go um, either this season next season whenever there's going to be a certain type the certain mould of manager like an Eddie Howe someone like that who would fit rather than another you know more conservative manager like a Sean Dyche just mm. bringing up names that we were linked with last time maybe it won't be them mm. Marcel Brand's been put in charge to he'll probably be taking that decision and he might know someone from um, across Europe who'd fit that that mould but you don't have to reset everything with a change of manager which is what we've done previously and I think as well Mishiri's comments on the um, on the 11th place being unacceptable and the change in the um, museum into a competitive outfit. I think he's starting to think now. I've this is Mashiri. I've spent a lot of money already, and I've not got a lot for it. It's been badly spent. It's been badly managed, and now I feel that I've put the man in place who's going to look after my a my club and a my investment because I don't think he minds investing, but he can't be happy with what he's seen so far. He's put a lot of money in. Whether he gets that back, you know, is yet to be seen. It's a, but it's a lot in, and we've not improved dramatically. But I think now he thinks, well, I've got a director of football in place to manage that and manage it properly. Just you know, we won't have a repeat of the mess of last season. And I think he does support Marco Silva, but he's obviously <clears> learned again from his other experiences not to get too closely tied, at least publicly, to a manager because he knows how quickly that position can change. Yeah. Mm. I think that's that's very wise. And something else that Mashiri mentioned, I think it was Mashiri, where he was talking about uh, in order to fill a 62,000-person stadium, we have to play a certain type of football. And I think that's very telling, talking about, you know, the idea, the concept when you're, if, we, if for some reason we ever had to replace Silva, it will be a certain type of manager. So the, the hope is we... Regardless of how bad things get, it will still that fo- footballing philosophy we were talking about. So it's less of a style and more of a philosophy, which I think makes, yeah, because he was talking about a certain brand. Yeah, I, I think from here forward, the, you know, the football that we'll see will be the Marcel Brand style of football. I think it will be sustainable and I think it will be progressive. And I think in the years to come, we won't find ourselves in situations where we'll have 
so many players that have come in from one manager, so many players that have come in from another manager where it'll clash. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you've, you've seen these comments that are coming out from Vlasic where, you know, where he, where some of the some of the things that he said that you know you can't even call the yeah. stuff that we were playing football. You can't have if you know if you want to be a sustainable top six football club <laughs> and a good international brand, things like that just can't come out about your club. So I think obviously it's a step in the right direction, saying that you want to implement this style of football. Uh, and yeah, fingers crossed, we won't have any money, any more monstrosities in terms of player recruitment like we have in the past. Man yeah, oh sorry, go ahead, Terry. <laughs> Man United have done it on a much larger scale and done it the way we had done it, and they've got a mixture of players from different managers who don't have a, a sort of common thread running through them for style and philosophy. And look how much it's affecting them. It's they're like the problems we had last season. They've got that several fold worse, and that's what we yeah. want to get away from. We want to sort of have. So I hate to say it, but the Tottenham approach—we, we, we, you know, uh, not Tottenham haven't been better than us for very long, but they, they clearly are now. But if Tottenham were to lose Pochettino, which they probably will soon, they're going to have a clear idea of what type of manager they want to come in to manage that squad, and it'll just mm-hmm. continue rolling on. It won't be a complete reset. You won't see Antonio Conte go into Chelsea to Tottenham when um, Pochettino goes because it just won't fit. So yeah. I think he establish that that oh, shoot me for saying this that Everton way he wants to establish that the Everton way his own version of it because we've not had it since he's been here with Martinez we've had Koeman we've had Allardyce total mismatch of managers and total mismatch of players Marcel's here to sort that out short term and long term mm-hmm. yeah the the focus on the long term seems it's highly emphasized when he speaks. You know, he's rarely does he talk about immediate, which is one of the reasons why he downplayed the January window because there's not good value in the January window. You know, um, so yeah, really curious to see how the next couple of weeks go uh, and if we if we do make uh, bring any players in because we we have sent some out on loan, um, and I know. Technically, Dowell was a first-team player. So is this a situation where we're going to replace him? Would that be one in, one out? You know, I don't know. I have no idea because we still – my impression the whole time when Dowell was with the team was that he was going to be backing up Sigurdsson, you know, uh, and now he's not there. So, yeah, really curious to see how – or because he hasn't specifically said we're not bringing anybody in January because I'm really – you can analyze what he's doing there. He's, you know, kind of keeping keeping uh, keeping us in check as fans in terms of expectation. Yeah, not set, which is smart. Yeah, not setting the bar too high. I, yeah. I was thinking about this the other day. I, I can't. I just under this regime, I can't see us having another Leroy Fair or a Vadis Ajidjirafo where we announce a sign and then it turns out they end up failing the medical. You know, under under this yeah. regime, I think. I mean, we're not there now. But I think the ambition is to be a well-oiled machine, and you know, as I said, I'm reiterating, we're making the right steps. Just quickly on the one in, one out. I I read that to be more financially. So unless it's like a glaring thing, like Andrissa Gay, where there's no other player for that position, uh, I mm. think it's more a case of if someone who's on seventy grand a week goes out, that means we can go out and start looking at players around that price or lower. 
in wage terms because that's the that's the key thing at the minute. I don't think it's a case, and I don't think um, Dal was probably on very much. I can't imagine he was. So I, I, I think if Schneiderlin <laughs> goes, if Schneiderlin were to go, you'd see a very like the likelihood of us bringing in another player would shoot up dramatically for me, uh, more so than any other player. Even though he's not a player who immediately needs replacing in the squad, his wages being gone and any money we recoup for him would immediately be give us options. So I think it's yeah. along those lines for me. Yeah, and I I think that makes a lot of sense because I I'm under, I'm under the impression that Schneiderlin's gone. That he is leaving this month. I'm just assuming that. So, yeah, I'll be curious to see. I think it's it's the what I'm doing with Bron's comments here is I'm using it as a measuring stick for future windows. You know what I mean? So we can try to figure out what he means when he says these sorts of things. Mm. He doesn't sound like somebody who's just going to straight up lie. So, yeah, cool. All right. Well, we've sort of made this. A lot about Marcel Bronze, but to be honest with you, a lot of the headlines are about Bronze. Mm-hmm. There it is. Um, so I guess that's it for our AGM review. There's more to talk about, but uh, we shouldn't make this a 40-minute segment. Just saying. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, it's time for If You Know Your History, the Everton-based quiz segment that pits Terry against Max in a cage match of Everton wit and might. Uh, And if you don't know how this works, I'm sorry, because I'm not going to explain it. Um, If you don't understand how how a quiz show works, I'm not sure if there's much I can do for you. Uh, So... I'm flipping a coin, but it's not a coin. It's plastic. It's a memory card. This is heads and this is tails. Whose turn is it to call? Terry. Is it? Yeah. Okay, then. Tails. Terry says tails. It is tails. Terry, uh, I'm not going to tell you what kind of quiz it is. Would you like to go first or second? I'm still going to go. That's my new way. Still going to go second because it says most of the time. Understood. I, I, I feel like that's kind of the new thing now. Um, so, Max is going to go, and uh, yeah, we'll have four questions. Two of them will be for Max, and two of them will be for Terry, and then we'll have a tiebreaker. <clears throat> so, cue <clears throat> uh, intense quiz music. There it is ramping up. It's very subtle, and then the drums kick in, and yeah, there it is. Welcome to intense quiz music. Max, your first question. Magai Gay. Was at Everton for four seasons. How many appearances did he make? Forty. Forty appearances, says Maxwell House. So he had runs in the side. I know that. Mm-hmm. So, Terangelo, what's your call? I'm gonna go with forty-five. Oh, you tried to price is right this, Terry, Terry, but you went the wrong way. Uh, I was going to say 35 as well. It, well, the thing is, you still would have lost because Max would have been even closer. Max's guess was was pretty spot on. 39. Oof. 39 is the correct answer, Max. You know what, right? I and I weren't the biggest fan of the guy, but I've got respect for him because he... Do you remember when we played Sunderland in the quarterfinal for the FA Cup? And he put up, he put an absolute peach of a ball in for Yelovich to score that first. 
he pulled that cross back like he was some world class winger. Like the only good thing I think he ever did in an Everton shirt, he scored the odd goal, but that's where I've got my respect for him. He looked like he was running underwater. He was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure that Moyes bought him off the strength of a football manager because he used to use football manager, um, the scouting network. And I think he was the only player ever confirmed that was off the back of that. So that is just, no. <laughs> I didn't know that. I joked about getting Marcel Braun's football manager for our Christmas thing. But I didn't realize it was something that people actually did yeah. at one point. Moyes admitted oh. it. He didn't just buy players off the strength of football manager, but he'd look because they had a, a global scouting network and then players that were that were promising on that, he'd then go and investigate them with his own scouts, mm-hmm. and which is fine, but don't admit that because the headline will be Moyes buys players for football manager. And yeah, I think he, little, he he was one of the only ones. Magai Gay was one of the only ones confirmed by the uh, somewhere um, that it was he was one of those players. Uh, that is that's great information. I'm storing that away. That's <laughs> French, <laughs> all right, Terry. You're sorry. Oh, sorry. What was that? French second division players don't just come to Premier League clubs um, <laughs> normally, do they? <laughs> uh, so Terry, your question. What was Leon Osman's first Everton squad number? Hmm. Good question. I remember his debut against Wolves. Senior debut, I think it was. Was it... 39... Well, I can't answer whether it was. <laughs> 39. <laughs> okay. Terry guesses 39. Max, what's your guess, man? 34. 34. The correct answer is 31. <sighs> Again, I was thinking of 31, but I thought I was getting me wires crossed because he was 21 eventually. I knew mm-hmm. it. I, I remember being a kid when he had it. Well, say a kid. I was a teenager when he had his debut, and I told my uncle to back him um, to score because he was a kid from the reserves who was good in the reserves, and he listened to me. and, and the bet came in, and he, he got. I can't remember what the odds were, but he got decent odds for it because he was nice. just a kid. Yeah, uh-huh. I think it was score any time and that two-two draw or something like that, but. You got decent odds because Osman was nobody at the time. But yeah, I, I was like that, 31 or 39, but I didn't trust myself. And like, <laughs> because I thought it, you're getting mixed up with 21, it's 30 something. Ah, never mind. All right. Well, technically, Max was closer on that one. So that is a, a block. So it's one, one to nil after, after one round. So, Max, your mm-hmm. question. How much did Everton pay for Nigerian defender Joseph Yobo from Marseille in 2003? Four million. Max says four million. Terry, what do you say? Um, I think I think it's also four million, but I'm gonna go with three because I'm not sure. But I, I yeah, I've got to go with three million. It, it was four million. Ah, oh, what's wrong with me today? 
<laughs> it was four million. Yeah, that's okay. <clears throat> so uh, technically, unless we change the rules of the game, Max has has won this one because he is up two to nil going into the final one. But let's ask this question. Um, Terry, what was Phil Jagielka's first squad number at Everton? 26. 16. And Max uh, is right about that one. It was 16. Terry put me out to be misery. I keep getting it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm having a terrible time here. No All time. right, hold on, hold on. <laughs> hold on. Let's do this. Let's do the tiebreaker and give it to Terry to see if he can feel better about life in general. How many appearances does Sandro currently have for Everton? Oof. Two appearances against Chelsea. Does the friendlies count or just proper matches? You're not sure, are you? Uh, <laughs> Quizmaster John, just give me the numbers. <laughs> six games. You're saying six? Okay. Max, I'm not going to ask you because you might get closer. It's going to make Terry feel bad. So, uh, you got one. You got it's one of the numbers. Sixteen, isn't it? You're sixteen. Yeah. Uh, so. the, Jack, the Jackie Elker and the Osmond one have really like kicked me in the guts because I knew both of them and second yeah. guess because got it wrong. Weirdly enough, I, I was thinking thirty-one for the. I don't know why I ended up going for a different one, but yeah, that's weird. That I, I could like I could never imagine Osmond having a different squad number. Yeah, the, um, I, I, those two, I remembered them and just lacked the confidence and, and like, you just need to be confident and just shoot, pick a side of the net for penalties and, and blast it. I tried to be too cute, I tried to stagger me run up and all kinds. I think so. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the, <clears throat> the staggered run, I, I, I'm never a big fan of those. Uh, so Max, congratulations, yeah. you, uh, you've won the... Uh, the golden cup that is that is picking the the exit tune for the Toffee Blues podcast uh, this round. What what are you picking? Long shot by Catfish in the Bottomer. I've never heard of this. Yeah, they're a British band and they're very good. Yeah. I think you'd like them. Give them a listen. Okay, cool. Yeah. No, I I got psyched because I I was like, ooh, that's one I don't know. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, oh no, the well, the Welsh. Sorry. Are they Welsh? Yeah. That's just yeah. Very cool. Why? Because it's the new single. It only just come out the other day, and they haven't released any in a while. And it's a pretty good song. And it often comes on when I'm when I'm out. Mm-hmm. So yeah, uh, it's a good tune. I, I didn't fancy being too deep or crazy with me picks tonight. I just thought, you know what? That came out the other day, and it's a pretty good tune. So. Give it a <laughs> Um, what kind of music is it? Uh, indie. So you like it, my yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool, Max. So, as we're listening to Catfish in the Bottleman, uh, playing Long Shot for you, uh, it's time to end the Toffee Blues podcast. Pod Pod people out there, thank you very much for listening. Uh, subscribe to the Toffee Blues podcast. Rate it if if you want. You know, it'd be nice uh, if you want to leave a kind review that says, uh, I don't know, something like, thank you for Catfish in the Bottleman, Max. You know, I, I miss my dad rock, but new music is good too. So, yeah. <laughs> um, 
Also, uh, so why don't you check us out if you if you want to see our faces? Uh, check us out on our YouTube channel, the Toffee Blues YouTube channel. Check that out. You can see what we look like. Good luck to you on that. Uh, also, if you want uh, if you want Terry, if you want more Terry, uh, check out his Twitter. He'll he'll show you the way to to his words. Uh, he's recently got something that was on the Liverpool Echo fan jury. So check him out there. Uh, also check Max out. Uh, check out his Twitter. He'll tell you where he's going to be. He does a lot of analysis for the Toffee Blues website, so check that out. But you should just check out the Toffee Blues website anyway because there's a lot of a lot of smart Everton people that are saying, hey, look at our words about Everton. So check it out there. Follow the Toffee Blues on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. I'm done plugging. I'm exhausted from the plugging. A little bead of sweat just went down just because so much plugging. All right? So that's that's it. Gentlemen, thanks so much. Terry. Uh, you'll have a have a good evening, even though the quiz didn't go the best. It's all right, Ali. I'll try and make up for it next time. Always a pleasure, guys. I was gonna say, holy hell! Last week, you you know made that work. Both you guys did. It was ridiculous. So I don't think you lost a lot of face. Max, take care, man. Thanks so much. You too, as always. A pleasure, gentlemen. Thank you. Uh, yeah, let's get uh, let's get three this weekend because I can say that because it's not a cup. Mm-hmm. Ha ha! All right. Uh, yeah, come on, you blues. Bye. Listen, the distance between us could have took a while once we closed that difference. You turn up like a friend of mine.